Our scripture reading today is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Greetings, Holy Trinity family. Pastor Arthur Jackson here with my wife, Shirley, in audience. Glad to once again be with you with the glorious privilege of being able to share God's word. What a wonderful passage we have come to today. And I pray that the Lord would use it uh, in my heart and in our lives for the advance of his kingdom through the spread of the gospel. Pray with me briefly and we'll get into God's word for today. Oh God, great is your name. And great is your gospel, powerful is your spirit, mighty are your scriptures. And may this message today be used by you to bring glory to Christ, uh, motivation in our hearts, Lord, that we might be sharers of your truth in this world. Blessed be your name. Amen. Since the fall of last year, a ministry colleague and mine have convened a group of six pastors, uh, three African-Americans and three white brothers, pastors. And we have been reading together a book 
called The Color of Compromise. The author, Jamar Tisby, provides in this book a historical overview of race in America and the church's complicity in it. Our journey together, these pastors and my colleague, Jay Fowler, um, we have in our times together, we've had robust discussion along with some gnawing pain. We've had also lamentation and prayer. A few weeks ago, on a Saturday, one of the pastors emailed the other pastors who would be leading their congregations on Sunday, and this is what the message that the pastor emailed to us. May we preach a gospel that could be preached in any nation in the world tomorrow. Bless you men, he writes. Drew, that's his name. And then he says, P.S. The Holy Spirit is tired of riding the bench. God is up to something. In our text today, brothers and sisters, we notice that the Spirit of God was in fact not on the bench. And indeed, God was up to something. And the gospel preached by Philip is a gospel that could be preached in any nation, in any place in the world. Huh? The universal reach and scope of the gospel was previewed in Acts chapter 2. In that, gathered at Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost were devout Jews from every nation under heaven. They had gathered there at the annual feast of Pentecost. And there in that context that included devout Jews from the nations, the fire of God fell. The church of Jesus was birthed the gospel was preached and thousands came to faith in Jesus as God's son. In Acts chapter 6, verse 7, Luke gives us one of several what are known as progress reports in the book of Acts. In these reports, he highlights the progress of the church, the progress of the gospel resulting in the growth of the church. Listen to that first report. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. This is the progress report of the gospel in Jerusalem. God was at work. People were coming to Christ. Even in this group included priests were, who were becoming obedient to the faith that is in Jesus. Huh? With the progress of the gospel came then the persecution of the church in Jerusalem. And with that persecution, came the scattering, huh? the scattering of the church beyond the confines of the church in Jerusalem. 
over into the regions of Judea and Samaria. Take a look, chapter 8 and verse 1. There arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. They were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And of course, according to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, which can be considered the theme verse of the book of Acts, Jesus saying, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Huh? So we come to today's text. Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. And I want to frame today's message using the five words that we see at the end of Acts chapter 8 and verse 35. Take a look there with me how it reads. Acts 8, follow with me in your Bibles. Look at verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began with this scripture. He told them, and here's the last five words, the good news about Jesus. The good news about Jesus. And specifically, I want to note today four things relative to the good news about Jesus. Huh? As it concerns, number one, the places where the gospel, this good news about Jesus, goes. Secondly, the people to whom the gospel, the good news about Jesus, is preached. Thirdly, the soil in which the gospel is rooted. And finally, the kind of people that the gospel needs. What about the places? Here it is. Here's, here's a, a statement about them. The good news about Jesus is not bound, is not geographically bound. Huh? It's not geographically bound. It is good for all places. Huh? Did you notice in verse 26, the place or the venue in today's text for the gospel. Where are they? This is a desert place. It is an out of the way place. It's apart from the crowd. Philip had left the crowd in Samaria and God had directed him southward. And we find him here on a road. It's a desert place, huh? It's apart from the ground of the crowd, yet it is a God designated, a God ordered venue where the gospel was going to be proclaimed. Huh? By this time, we, when we arrive at Acts 8, the gospel has already that started in Jerusalem had, be, had spread into Judea and Samaria, as we read in verse one of eight. But according to Acts chapter 8 and verse 5, Philip preached Christ to a city in Samaria. Huh? And on the return trip 
to Jerusalem from Samaria, look at verse 25, the apostles, as they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel, where? To many villages of the Samaritans. Notice on the backside of our text today, verse 40, huh? Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to what? All the towns until he came to Caesarea. The gospel making its way to various venues, various places. Sometimes, friends, the least expected places can be God-ordained places for proclaiming the good news about Jesus. In the last year or so, I was introduced in my reading to a, a Nepalese, a, 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 an evangelist from Nepal back in uh, the mid to the late 70s. His name was Prem Parham, or Par, Parham, Pardon, Prem Pardon. He ministered in the Himalayan mountains, and it's interesting the place where he ministered because he was a lame man. And in his own words, he says, I have a lame leg. Isn't it strange of God that he called me to preach the gospel in the Himalayan mountains? Huh? And that is exactly what Prem did, friends. For decades, he ministered there, not without opposition. That included imprisonment, even in what he called dungeons of death, where prisoners faced extreme conditions. In the span of 15 years, Prem spent 10 of those years in 14 different prisons, huh? yet he boldly witnessed there for Christ and bore fruit uh, in, in people's lives for Christ that included guards and prisoners who then took the message that they had in prison, uh, they took it back to their own people. The good news about Jesus is not bound by geography. It's good for all places, even desert places. Where have you found yourself taking the good news about Jesus? Or might I ask, where is it that we could or should take it? Huh? It can go anywhere. Workplaces, huh? in boardrooms, and in break rooms in military barracks and on battlefields. It can go to classrooms and hospital rooms and breakout rooms on Zoom calls. It can go behind mansion walls or prison walls or athletic fields or playgrounds. It can go any place that you find people. That is a place for the gospel. The gospel is not geographically bound. It's not limited to one place, but 
Secondly, neither is it limited to one people or people group. Secondly, the good news about Jesus is not bound by class or race or ethnicity or any social boundary. It is good, yes, for all places, but it is also good for all people. And did you notice the person that we find in today's text? We find Philip, a Jewish Christian leader who was compelled by the Lord to speak the good news about Jesus to an Ethiopian eunuch. You see that there in the text, verse 27, uh, having been compelled, verse 26, to go from Jerusalem to Gaza and to this desert place, he, Philip, rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, or better pronounced or known not as a proper name, Candace, but as a dynastic name, the Kandaka, queen of the Ethiopians who was in charge of all her treasurer, treasure, he had come to Jerusalem to worship. Huh? You hear the details? You see the details that are there? An Ethiopian eunuch. Huh? Here was a black African, a court official in the service of the queen mother of Ethiopia, huh? And he was on his way back from worship at Jerusalem, perhaps returning from one of the feasts there. He could have been a Jewish convert or convert to the God of Judaism, or perhaps a God-fearer, and a God-fearer was one who embraced the God of Israel, but was not circumcised and which may have been a moot point of course for the eunuch if it was if he had been fully castrated huh but in in Israel eunuchs were considered as outsiders they did not have full privileges even of worship well we don't know all of these things but what we do know that he is a powerful man and from a far away Ethiopia, and Ethiopia was considered to be a place at the edge of the world. Huh? But he's spiritually curious. He was a seeker, and his spiritual curiosity was indeed rewarded. Huh? Think of this, this man. Huh? Think about the fire that could have been lit on this road for him, huh? indelibly marked huh? by in his heart and his mind by this particular gospel encounter. Huh? I wonder how many times he may have shared about this desert word experience once he had returned home. Huh? The good news about Jesus is not bound by geography or culture. What then about the soil in which 
it is rooted. The good news about Jesus, the gospel we preach, is rooted in the scriptures of old. It is rooted in the Bible. Yes, the next thing we see, the good news about Jesus, the gospel we preach is rooted in the scriptures of old. We are told here that the eunuch was reading the prophet Isaiah. You see that in verse 28. And, And was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him teaching Isaiah the prophet, and reading Isaiah the prophet, and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. Huh? Here he is, he's invited. And the point here is that he's reading the scroll of Isaiah. And it was likely the Greek version of Isaiah known as the Septuagint. But he's reading it here. And the the practice in that day is that they were uh, reading aloud. So Philip goes over here and he joins him, comes alongside of him. And then after uh, reading the scripture, we see which uh, a passage it was. It was what we know today as Isaiah chapter 53, verses 7 and 8. But then notice the question in verse 34. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? And here's our verse. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, He told him the good news about Jesus. Again, beginning, beginning with this scripture, he began to preach Christ. And so this one, the passage that he was reading concerned the death of Christ, the, the suffering of Christ. But beginning there, but he did not likely end there. Because apostolic preaching included both the death and the resurrection of Christ. It included Christ's death for sin, but also his resurrection. It included both his suffering as well as Christ's glory. Peter's sermon that we see in Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 24 uh, are a good case in point. Of course, this is the day of Pentecost. And then as uh, Peter progresses with his sermon there in Acts 2, he says this in verses 22 through 24. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, and here it is that speaks about his suffering and death, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Jesus' death as a sacrifice 
for the sins of mankind. And it is effective to all who believe and embrace that. But the gospel doesn't end there. Continuing in Acts 2, God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Beginning with Isaiah, but likely in his proclamation of the gospel here in Acts chapter 8, it included other scripture about resurrection because the gospel is about Jesus' death for sin, but the resurrection, as it were, as a receipt that the payment has in fact been received. When the apostles and Philip preached, they used the Bible that they had, what we know as the Old Testament. Oh, how wonderful it is to see the good news about Jesus is rooted in the soil of Scripture, especially what we know as the Old Testament. That was the Bible that Jesus and the apostles used. Jesus put it this way in speaking about his death. Was it not necessary? This is Luke chapter 24, verses 26 and 27. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning, here it is, with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then in Luke, same chapter, verses 45, 44 and 45, Jesus said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their understanding that they could understand the scriptures. Huh? Huh? What are we saying? The good news about Jesus, the gospel we preach, brothers and sisters, is rooted in scripture and particularly in the Old Testament where we see uh, Jesus in the shadows, we see him in ways concealed, but he is there nonetheless. And to the point that uh, the, Jesus and the apostles could refer to himself in places like Psalm 22 and, and Psalm 16 and in other places, Jesus is there. The good news about Jesus is rooted in the scriptures of old and yes, expanded and what we know today is the New Testament. What are we saying so far? The good news about Jesus is good for all people in all places at all times until the end of time. Huh? The good news about Jesus is good for all people in all places at all times until the end of time. Huh? 
So this brings me to my last point. And this speaks about then the kind of people that the gospel needs. We have this great message about a great Savior who saves us from the greatness and the largeness and the ugliness of our sin as we believe that what he did was for us. The death that he died was the death that I deserve. But he took that for me. So what then, what kind of people is it that the gospel needs? Here it is. The good news about Jesus, the gospel, needs spirit-filled, biblically literate, surrendered followers of Jesus as his gospel agents in the world. That's what's needed. We have this great truth through which those of us who are saved have been rescued. But we must both individually and in community participate in the gospel, uh, sharing, uh, bringing people to the gospel through our understanding of scripture. It compels us to be biblically literate, huh? Did you notice in this particular text, as we look at the whole of it, who the main character in this text actually is? It's not Philip. It's not the Ethiopian eunuch. God is at work here, is he not? He is in that work, providing guidance as to where Philip needed to go. Getting the right people at the right places at the right time. Spirit of God is not on the bench, huh? Spirit of God, his work is evident. Philip is spirit-led. God is at work in through his spirit in Philip's teaching. As it concerns the Ethiopian eunuch, God is at work wooing him and convicting him and convincing him and converting him. The spirit is done, that the spirit has done his work is evidence in the fact that the eunuch is receiving water baptism. This was the physical sign of God's invisible, saving, sanctifying work. Another evidence that God was at work is that the the, uh, eunuch's joy that we see in verse 39. After being baptized and the uh, Spirit of God carrying Philip away, the eunuch then goes on his way rejoicing, huh? Just like there was great joy in the city of Samaria, in a city of Samaria earlier in the chapter because the gospel had come, huh? Even so, this eunuch having heard and received the gospel, he then 
goes on his way rejoicing. God is at work through his spirit. And passages like this help us to see that the followers of Christ, you and I, are not alone in this world. And it helps us also to see the kind of people who are needed for the work of the gospel. People who, like Philip, is biblically literate. He's spirit-filled. He is surrendered huh? Don't you want to be that kind of person? Huh? The first step, of course, is first and foremost to believe the good news about Jesus. Do you believe? Believe. Have you embraced him? Huh? Can you, because of what Jesus has done for you and your embrace of that, can you call him your Lord and your Savior? That's the first thing. Have you embraced him? His sacrificial death for you as a payment for your sins. Huh? That's good news. Embrace that. But then, as recipients, we're to be those who tell the good news of Jesus to others. Are you available? The day that we live in, friends, demands and deserves nothing less. In a day when the reputation of Christians and the reputation of the church is tarnished, we need bearers of those whose faith is anchored and Christ and his cross and that alone. Huh? Have you embraced that and that alone as your source of salvation and cleansing? Huh? The good news about Jesus is good for all people in all places at all times until the end of time. And it needs biblically literate spirit-filled agents in our day, just like you and me. Are you available individually? Are you readying yourself to be used of God in the places where you find yourself, in the places where you live? How do you and I respond to a text like this, huh? Perhaps we can pray and we respond prayerfully and we respond willingly and we respond worshipfully. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Oh, you remember that song, huh? Melt me, mold me. Fill me, use me, use me, Lord, as you did many years ago when as a 19-year-old when I went into the United States Army 
And you took me to four different places in two years. And it was that time that I met another man named Arthur, white guy from Syracuse, New York. And you touched him and he came to Christ and we served there together in Germany. And Arthur went on to marry and to raise children in a Christian home. And now for decades, he's been used in music ministry in his church. Lord, use me. Huh? Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me, fall afresh on us. And use us because, Lord, if you can use anything, you can use me. If you can use anything, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord. Hand my feet. Touch my heart, Lord. Speak through me if you can use anything. Lord, you can use me. So take my life. And let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of your love. At the impulse of your love. Oh, Lord, but take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my king, always only for my King, oh God, take my lips and let them be filled with messages for thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold, not a mite would I withhold. Oh, and take my love, my God, I pour at thy feet its treasure store. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee, ever only all for thee. So Lord, take us to the places and take us to the people. Take us as we prepare ourselves to be biblically literate and be sensitive to you in our world, wherever we find ourselves. And may we be hearers and then bearers of the good news about Jesus. That's my prayer today in Jesus' name. God bless you, Holy Trinity, and all who hear these words this day. Amen.